0: Leadership File, on Premier. Welcome to the show which talks to Christian leaders about the topics that really matter. I'm Andy Peck. It was the statistician, Peter Briley, that said that if you want your church to grow, you need to employ a youth worker. He made a correlation between children's and youth ministry and churches that saw growth. There may be other factors of course but it's accepted that good provision for children and youth is a major factor in a church's influence in its community. But the rise in the number of youth workers has led to a number of urban myths concerning the length of time they're in ministry their motivation for being in ministry in the first place and I'm joined this week by Andy Burns formerly CEO of Easter West and now the founder and director of Cafe Leadership. He's been a youth worker most of his working life in one form or another. So Andy, welcome to Leadership Fund. Thank you. Uh, a word first of all, your, your move from East to West into something new. You were formerly uh, with us when you were CEO of East to West. So tell us about that move. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a,
1: it's an interesting move. East to West was part of our family life for 15 years. Mm. Uh, and so to move on is an emotional gut wrench, as it mm. were, because it's been so ingrained with us. But it was the right season for us to move on. So, um, yeah, it was uh, last summer real sense of call from the lord that it was time for us to move on mm. uh into uh much more investment into leaders so that mm. they can lead their charities and organizations and ministries mm. uh more effectively uh, and to do that i needed to step out of my current role or my then current role mm. um and yeah so we, we we took that um we took that plunge as it were when we would tell friends what we we're doing would the replies would be that that's such a great brave thing to do and you could see in their eyes <laughs> i hope my husband doesn't make that decision either um uh, and yeah, we stepped in to try and give cafe leadership, which we, I guess we'll come on to later, a little bit mm. more of a push, yeah. uh, so we can invest more into leaders.
0: Yes, it's a bit like that. I remember Yes <coughs> Minister years ago yes. when when Humphrey Apple, we said, that's a very brave move, Minister, and he'd think, oh, is it? You know. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> so so um, look, as you say, we'll look more detail at cafe leadership, um, but you've been doing a survey amongst youth workers, um, so you found some interesting things about longevity, yeah. about the urban yeah. myth that I mentioned at the start.
1: Yeah, there's always been this urban myth going around how long does a youth worker stay in practice for in a church and you hear stats like 18 months or three years but mm. we tend to say these because someone else has told us them but they've mm. never really been grounded in any kind of uh, research that says mm. these are an absolute factors as to where it's at. And it didn't also tie up with my experience in youth work, obviously 15 years at East to West mm. but I've been employed as a youth worker for longer than that. Mm. And uh, looking at, say, the East to West team, they were, they were all with us for longer than 18 months and three mm. years and wanted to keep on going. So this urban myth... Uh, was literally a myth. It didn't ground itself in what I was experiencing or noticing. So um, last year we conducted a survey across the UK. We had just over 100 uh, replies from youth workers up and down the land, kind of looking at what is good practice for leadership and management of youth workers. But uh, one of the questions I really wanted to ask, first of all, Mm -hmm. is to try and get the question of longevity in placement and without wanting to kind of uh, give too many stats or talk just purely about percentages, what the interesting feedback was was this, was 40% of those who replied had said they'd been in their current role for at least six years, which also means that those uh, outside of the 40% could just be early starters and would continue on for further. Um, the the other two uh, percentages which were really encouraging was that 70% said that given the right uh, circumstances, and I guess we can I can unpack them a bit later, given the right circumstances, 70% of them would want to be in their current placement for at least another 10 years. Wow. They would want to invest more where they are for another 10 years. Uh, and then the one for the broader youth work, youth ministry uh, context was 80% said they'd like to remain in this form of ministry until retirement, wow. which completely blows one and a half to three years out of the water. At least with practitioners on the ground saying, given the right conditions... I will invest the majority, if not the rest of my life,
0: mm.
1: uh, into serving young people.
0: Well, and, th- and that, I mean, <coughs> I'm not sure you get too many stats like that of other other fields of ministry. No. I mean, you know, you're not, people, generally speaking, are not saying, oh, I'm going to do this till I retire no. kind of thing. No, so exactly. That's that astonishing.
1: It is. It's, in, it's incredibly encouraging. So I think there's an opportunity there for the church, for Christian mm. organizations to say, if that's, the, if that's the reality for many of our youth workers, how do we create the right setting mm. so that they can outwork the ministry with us mm. for that length of time, knowing that mm. longer-term investment in a community or into mm. individual lives enables those transformations that we mm. long to see to become a reality.
0: Yeah, yeah so so that's obviously from the youth worker <clears throat> angle yeah y- you having reflected you know having been involved in youth work yourself yeah um you want, are, are going to make the case i'm sure that youth workers should be encouraged to stay long term, pre- yep. assuming that they're doing a reasonable yep. job yep. um what are the kind of things that um that that, that are part of that package just that's, to state the obvious perhaps
1: yeah yep. so what when we uh, when we when we ask the questions you know what how long would you want to stay in this role for in these ministries for and it came back with those high returns we then asked the questions again well, what is the, is the environment or the setting that you would need that would enable you to, mm-hmm. to do that and that three there was a lot that fed back but the three main ones was this the first point was uh, an adjustment in their work placement to when life changes for them so instead of simply the church, say, for example, you've got a young youth worker who arrived and they get married whilst, whilst they're in your employment, yeah. we all celebrate the fact they've got married. Can we also celebrate that they might like to see their other half mm. uh, not be working every single night? And we all celebrate when uh, the pastor of tiny feet might arrive. and Can we allow them to be mum and dad around their kids mm. a bit more than maybe sometimes the work demand is? So uh, allowing the contract to adapt and change as life changes for them, mm. there's something around the recognition of of salary, nobody gets into youth work uh, because you think you're going to be a millionaire, but we, we need to recognize that life does cost, uh, particularly as family comes along mm-hmm. and uh, with, with kids and stuff. so does the salary enable them to have a healthy family life and to remove that kind of financial pressure mm-hmm. off them? so it was adjustment to the contractors' life changes for them and they want to stay. The second point was uh, a real strong desire to develop. And, uh, and what was coming from that was, uh, near enough of a 50-50 split here, half said that they would want to stay in their current job role but would want to deepen their practice. Mm-hmm. In other words, help me get better at what I currently do. Um, uh, and the other half was saying, what would like, I'd like to do is to move into some form of management. Mm-hmm. So that that has the uh, opportunity of looking, do we look at progression planning instead of succession planning? Is there the mm-hmm. ability sure. to a youth worker and have the vision that maybe that youth worker might grow into managing a team of youth workers apart from just the volunteers which mm-hmm. obviously we, we value and, and they would be looking after I presume. But is there the ability to set out job plans there over the next few years there's the expectation that you might take on a student youth worker and mentor mm-hmm. them and because that's the line of travel that they're talking about. And there's a narrative around train me up, I want to stay. Mm. Uh, train me up, I want to bless the community that I now feel a part of. And the, the third one was probably blatantly obvious, but it's this whole thing around effective management and what makes effective management of me, the youth worker in the church or in the organisation. And there were the few points that came out from that was uh, effective management looked like y- you trusted me enough to give me space and freedom. So there's no autonomy thing there. Mm. Paint the picture of where we're going, but enable me to outwork that through how God's created mm-hmm. me. Um, there was the real strong desire that I really want honest and constructive feedback Again, that probably feeds into help me get better mm, development. Mm. Uh, the other one uh, part was um, uh, how, how they were personally supported. So do they feel valued as a human being in their... con? So does the congregation value the youth worker as the human being, not just the function or the role that they do? So feeling uh, that they were a valued member of the community or of the organisation. And the last bit was um, a recognition that the role that I deliver it has an integral value to the overall vision say for example of the church it's not Mm. just this thing tapped onto the side but the direction the big vision for the whole church community and the youth work that i run is part of that Mm. so these three dynamics if we can really wrestle with them and ask do we have them in our church for the sake of our youth worker then we're going to see greater impact for the young people that we employed them in the first place to
0: to to work with that's terrific um is, there, you've mentioned a number of stats. Are there other stats that you thought were particularly significant and and worthy of note that you haven't mentioned yeah. as far? Yeah, there, there was um, two. There was, a, there was a, an area again that I wanted, which was
1: which I really wanted to focus on. Yeah. Um, one of them was around this sense of calling or conviction mm. into the ministry, particularly as over the past twenty years there's been the professionalisation of, of mm. youth work, as it were. And is that sense of call still as strong or? because there are university courses and then payment structures attached to it does this just become an employment mechanism Mm. that i'd quite like to be in and and near enough 100 percent of all the youth workers said calling was the single most important Mm. factor or was a significant factor as to why i engage in youth ministry Mm. the the other dynamic within that was um having been in youth work for a long time and aware of the aware of the team members that we've employed and, and, and aware of the life stories that they've had, very often you will find that youth workers have certain events that have happened in their past that have shaped them. Mm. And, and so we're asking questions around significant life experiences or life encounters mm. that have had an impact on them, such as you know, bereavement, maybe depression in the past, self-harm, whatever it would be. And, and 66% of them said that they had had some form of that life experience in their past. Mm. 25% of them said that they had been dis, uh, diagnosed with an ad- additional learning need. Mm. But yet, they didn't see that as a hindrance. Mm. They actually saw that as being, uh, over 50% of them said, it was part of the motivation for me to want to engage. So when you combine this sense of calling and life experience, it mm. seems like this dynamic drive into ministry. Um, and further exploration, I dare say, could... Could on earth, because I've gone through this and found Christ in mm. the midst with me, I don't want a young person to go through on their own. This mm. is why I feel compelled. Um, the the other The other bit off the back of that was the vast majority of them thought that what they had gone through, or if it's a learning difficulty, what they still re- wrestle with today, uh, makes them more effective in their practice. Mm. So that's a challenge on us as leaders and managers, Mm, because very often I grew up in the culture of leave your issues at home, just get on with work. Yeah. Or as managers, sometimes we we might want to manage out uh, certain aspects of of people's behaviour, which is a reflection of maybe the limp that they carry, Mm. if that makes sense. But to pastorally nurture these uh, fabulous youth workers Mm. and recognise that sometimes some of the limps that they have are what make them
0: so effective. Yeah. So, just in the way that <coughs> lots of charities are started because someone has gone through something, yeah. come out the other end. Yeah. Uh, motivation. Actually, that's also a motivation yeah. for youth work in the ministry. Well, exactly. that's, that's fascinating. Well, you're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined by Andy Burns. Andy is the founder and director of CAFE Leadership. We're talking particularly about youth work, which he's been involved in all his uh, Christian working life. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership File with me Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Andy Burns. Andy is formerly uh, CEO of Easter West, now the founder and director of Cafe Leadership. He's been a w- youth worker most of his working life in one form or another uh, and had been involved in a, a survey um, of 100 youth workers and found some interesting uh, stuff. If you come in this later you can uh, listen to the, uh, my conversation with Andy um, on demand uh by um, going to the website at Premier but but c- coming on uh, andy you've now moved into to cafe leadership yep um, I mean obviously anything involving the information that coffees involved is good news as far T- as, right. can say, as yep. long as it's decaf yep um, <laughs> but how did it how did it come about
1: um Café Leadership is is partly outwork in outworking my own uh, mm. journey as a leader in youth work. Mm. So I was a frontline practitioner as a youth worker for many years. Then the work becomes successful, and so I start managing teams. Mm. Uh, then the charity that I was working for, whether foolishly or w- wisely, appoint me to become the CEO. Uh, and the work starts to expand, it becomes successful in mm. what we were trying to be about. Uh, and then you start looking over a team of 10 or 12 or 15 employees and you think, crumbs, I'm responsible for a lot of mortgages here. Mm. Uh, which, is, which is a different feeling to the lad who you know, in my early teens stood up at a sole survivor or something like that and said, you know, I want to change the world. Mm. Uh, now I'm, I'm trying to change the world and also be looking after people's mortgages through mm. an employment structure. So I started to feel a little bit out of my depth. Um, uh, I started to go through uh, the symptoms that many leaders do: this imposter syndrome, where where most mornings you'd wake up and think, "I hope I get to the end of the day before I get found out." Mm-hmm. And I started to connect with a lot of peers who were running organisations, and they were saying the same things. Uh, it's our enthusiasm that's almost got us into harm's way, as it, as it mm-hmm. were. We've we've done this rally cry, we've founded ministries. Uh, And all of a sudden, these ministries have become projects, and these projects have suddenly become organisations. And I'm running a small company now, and I have no experience in it. Uh, And so a couple of years ago, I I would be gathering with a few friends at a coffee shop up in town, so hence Cafe Leadership. Uh, and for the day we would uh, we would share what was going on in our ministries and we would seek to get an external expert in whether an expert in a field or someone who's been in leadership for a long while to host a conversation with us that ultimately would seek to raise our confidence and competence as leaders. Mm. Um, I think one of the things that you you become pretty much aware of is is how inadequate you feel in in being a leader but it doesn't take that long before someone starts to breathe confidence into you that you suddenly think I'm not blagging it as much as I think I am mm. maybe God has done something within me that means mm. I'm more competent than I realise and it's it's more of a confidence level mm. but yet gathering with peers uh, going on training courses together with peers starts to raise your competency level because mm. you start to become aware this is very serious there's employees lives, mm. lives at, at, at risk with, under my leadership there's the direction of the charity and again this is. I haven't studied this before, mm. and I haven't come out of the corporate world and then to lead a, mm. to lead a company. I've gone from front line straight to leadership, and this was all about creating a nurturing environment where we as leaders could mm. could thrive and and grow together. So that was the basis of cafe leadership. Well, no, plus it's, uh, drinking coffee.
0: That's what, indeed indeed drinking coffee as well. So that I mean, it, um, it, I mean in the church and charity world, leaders seem reluctant to invest in their own mm. growth. Uh, is that an urban myth? Do you think, or is that is that actually the case? Um, I think it, I think it is the case. Mm. Um, particularly, I'd
1: say I, I was fortunate enough. The charity East to West that I worked for uh, were, were were good with me in the fact that they paid for me to have a coach, an executive coach, that, to help me raise my game. And when I would chat to peers and say, you know, I've got a coach, and we would talk about the advantages coach was making in my life, they'd be like, I wish I had one. Mm. Or uh, the courses that I'd go on to, and you'd start to realise, why are there not more people who run organisations mm. like East to West here? You need to hear this stuff. Mm. So I think it, is, it isn't there. I think there are some training gatherings or events that happen throughout a year which which are exceptional mm. and there the is the morale and it's good to hang out with other youth workers but when it comes down to leading an organisation there wasn't a lot out there for us to engage mm. in so there is there is a, a shortage of that there and I, and I do wonder whether sometimes within Christian ministry there's we, we can create an environment where we either get kind of like a Messiah complex it all has to be about me uh, and therefore I must be the person I know everything which kind of puts us on a pedestal that will easily fall off from or there's a little bit of a martyr syndrome where uh, glory is almost seen by how tired and exhausted and beaten mm-hmm. up we are uh, and I think we need to reverse that trend and say the health of my church the health of my organisation, the health of this ministry is very much dependent on my own health, how mm. am I doing, how am I looking after myself, how am I resourcing myself what training and learning am I putting myself through so that then when I am leading, I'm leading mm. from a place of, of rest and also fullness instead of leading from a place of exhaustion
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean our trainers and consultants <coughs> face the task of suggesting to will-be clients that employing them will have all sorts of dividends in the future <laughs> including financial so what are the kind of things you say when um, someone approaches you and say hey capital leadership that's interesting yeah. what can you do for me what what are the kind of things that you you know it's, it's yeah. tricky as a Christian because sometimes yeah. you you know the, the, in, a, in a secular environment so-called secular commercial environment people kind of over promise yeah. and you don't want to do that but you no. also want to yeah t- to say you're offering value yeah. so what are the kind of things you'd say
1: I think the the first bit is the narrative I gave at the just mm. at the beginning about our, our journey from the front line into management. And I feel mm. a little bit out my depth, uh, and yet you have that conversation and, and literally to a leader they all go, yeah, that, that's me, <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. that's me, and so that has that uh, personal uh, connection. Mm. Where so I get that, mm. and I need that level of support. I think there's it's it's about managing expectations mm. let's meet for two or three coaching sessions first of all let's start address addressing some quick wins mm. <clears throat> uh, and then they start to see that traction is gained and they're moving mm. forward and this this whole opening myself up and being vulnerable thing actually uh it works mm. <clears throat> I think there's also come along and taste and see a cafe leadership gathering
0: mm. come
1: along and be around other peers. Uh, here's some exceptional input and then all of a sudden it's, it's been interesting with the Cafe Leadership Gatherings which happen uh, six times a year in London that's just starting to happen now in Manchester mm-hmm. <clears throat> we're getting uh, the majority of people who attend attend on a regular basis so they come to one and say I've got to come to the next one mm-hmm. and so when we start offering this training and consultancy the, the minute you've tasted how good it is to feel and to know that you've been heard uh, to know that you're not on your own People then are desiring more of that. I think mm. it comes back to the research that we looked at. Help me get better because mm. this is the place I feel called into. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, uh, looking looking back, can you highlight some significant learnings that you you picked up through training courses yeah. that you went well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the
1: biggest learning that. My, my personal learning style is go through it, through experience mm, mm. and so the biggest learning that I've had and I, I'm grateful for people like a lady called Jill Morgan and other people like that who have journeyed with me as I've entered into this realm of, mm. of leadership so there are significant courses that I've gone on which have uh, given practitioner competencies but actually mm. the majority it has been me experiencing what it is like to be a leader and having experienced leaders journey with me mm. as I in essence bumble my way through it right. um, and, and having their, having them beside me, knowing that they've got my back, knowing that I can then say, this is what I'm feeling right now, I'm feeling overly exposed or I'm feeling vulnerable here or I don't know which way to turn, what would you do? And having them not control my next decision but help me hear what I'm saying, help draw it out, they've been the most significant learning that I've mm. taken, far beyond simply going on a course and learning a whole lot of techniques. Mm. It, it's It's... It's more a little bit, I guess, like Jeremiah, where he says, I can't do this. And God says, but this is how I've created you. And he calls him up and out. Right, right. And, I, and I think that's been the biggest learning that, that I've had. Experienced leaders who see me more uh, competent than maybe I view myself and enabling mm-hmm. me to lift up myself up to that place, if that makes sense.
0: I, guess, I mean, I've heard it said that, that um, <coughs> one or two people I know who have had opportunity to talk to theology um, undergraduates. Yeah. And um, to do some training about what it's going to be like, yeah. And and often they they kind of have glazed expressions. Yeah. Um, it's much better when you have yep. experienced a bit of leadership to then yep. realise what it really is like, exactly. and then you look for the exactly for the help.
1: It's a bit like um, for me driving a car. You know, you uh, you know, you've passed your test. You haven't. The minute the L plates go off, then you start learning to drive. Yeah. Or Oh when I remember when uh, we were expecting uh, uh, Elijah, and uh, you're reading all his parenting books, and yeah. I only started learning being a dad the minute he was born. Yeah. The books give a little bit of a framework, so I think there's there's lots of theory you can learn, but you really only learn when you're in the middle of it.
0: Yeah. So you're you're um, <laughs> getting more specific. You've got a website, <laughs> Leadership. dot org. dot uk. dot uk. Yeah. And. Um, the, there's there's news there of the gatherings, you've got yep. six in nine and possibly yep. some starting in Manchester. Yeah. Yep. Um and then if they people wanted to to walk you to walk with them through yep. something you offer one-on-one, you call yep. it coaching or mentoring. Yes, yes that's right. So if, if you go along to uk, mm. you'll,
1: you'll get all the dates of this coming year's gatherings in London mm. and in Manchester, and there's all the themes uh, there on, on the site. We've also just started a partnership with a Global Leadership Summit with Willow Creek. Uh, so we're doing some uh, continual professional development off the back of the conferences that they host every year, so taking hold of one of the talks and spending a whole day on one of the talks to do some deeper learning around that. Mm. So if, if you're attending GLS, then there's ongoing training that we can offer there, uh, the coaching and mentoring. There, there's details on the website there. That's that's uh, there. And, for and the
0: G- as well. GLS, sorry, Global Leadership Summit yep. is is typically autumn, isn't it? It
1: is. Yeah, it it happens around uh, the uh, September October time, mm. and uh, we've got a a pilot one in May, mm. uh, the dates so May the fifteenth mm-hmm. uh, in Bracknell, uh, and that's going to be looking at uh, uh, critical conversations. How do you have those conversations? Um, So going off on one of the talks that happened at the last GLS last year, which was really significant for most of the ministers who attended it. Uh, And so we're going to spend a whole day just going through what Joseph Grenny is teaching and then really drilling it down. So in your parish, in your practice, how do you really embed what he's talking about so the health of your church and your organisation can be lifted up?
0: That well, sounds wonderful. That That's sounds great. sounds excellent. So um d- you've been listening to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by Andy Burns. and he's the founder and diref- director of Cafe Leadership. Uh, go to Cafe Leadership, all one word. Yeah, CafeLeadership dot org dot uk uh, to find out more of what we've been talking about. If you wanted to contact Andy uh, directly, um, just to, to outline, he's he's been involved in youth work, but he's uh, happy to coach and. Uh, to mentor people in other, in other fields charity leadership church leadership and the and the like so um if that 's something that 's a particular interest to you, then um, do go to the the website and find out more so thank you andy thank for you. for being with us and sharing uh, and and exciting to hear that so many who are involved in youth work are. Uh, keen to be there for the long haul and if you've got a youth worker in your church then uh, uh, maybe this is a reminder to encourage them in some way and to maybe to create the kind of package that would make them want to stay for much longer assuming you think that's going to be a good thing or not uh, that'd be great and um, maybe this this conversation will help our leaders to, to put that as top of their priority mm. so um, thank you for, for listening Do if you have ideas of, of guests or topics you'd like to cover do email me apec at cwr.org.uk and i uh, be happy to consider that. Uh, some of the guests that I've had on the show have been suggested by folk just like you. So thanks for tuning in. Do uh, Go to Premier's website, listen again to this show and others on Archived uh, by going to the On Demand section. Look forward to your company again next Sunday at 330